This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanisha. Just want to say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listener today. And we really appreciate you and let and want to let you know that we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review. I um, really appreciate that uh, in advance. Now, we got some good stuff going on for the show today. We're going to start off with what type of adjustments Nate McMillan will make as they go up against the Detroit Pistons tonight. And in our deep dive segment, we're going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. What does Marcus Mariota have to do in order for them to get the dub? And last but not least, and for the culture, Dusty Baker is talking about something that probably can't get fixed. We'll discuss in that in for the culture. But first, we got to start off with the Atlanta Hawks team. The Hawks were able to get eight. An ugly win, as we deemed on this show. And they are facing off against the Detroit Pistons tonight at 7 o'clock. Weird time. Weird tip time. I always figure it's a weird tip time. But I think one of the things that I'm going to be looking for is whether or not, what type of adjustments going to make, and can we see another life-changing best game in his career from John Collins? Because I was looking at some defensive numbers. John Collins is is it's a conversations with a lot of yeah. good defenders or great defenders in the NBA right now, too. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of season start that if he continues this on into January, February, we'll be talking about at, at a minimum an all-star reserve. And, yes, and I, I don't use those terms lightly, but like you said, when you look at the numbers of the, the in every, especially in every defensive area, he's right. really right there at the top of the list. So yeah, I just want to see more of what John Collins brought to the table, especially in key moments. To me, that was the most important thing that he did not disappear because we know that there have been times in the last couple of years where at critical moments, we're looking for, (laughs) yeah, we were looking for JC. Somebody, anybody? (laughs) Anybody? (laughs) There you go. So, but this time, and, and even like having the mental reset. So I wanted to talk about that real quick too. Having the ability to mentally reset so quickly. So yeah, yeah you miss a shot at the at this end of the court, but you sprint down and make sure that that turnover, if you will, does not turn into critical points. And that was a, at a moment where the Hawks were just a couple of points up. So yeah. definitely agree with you with him. Also, I would like to see just a little bit more. And, and I know it was a slow burn and that's kind of how the Hawks are doing it slow burn defensive intensity picks up throughout the game. But I really want to see whether that's DeJounte Murray or whether that's a combination of, of um, like Aaron Holiday coming off the bench, whatever the case may be. Get on Kay Cunningham early and affect his shot early yeah. and often. Great that he only had four points in the fourth quarter, but the other three three quarters, or I say the other two and a half, because DeJounte got him in that, the backside of that third quarter as well. But let's mm-hmm. That that happened, and the third thing is just with Bo- Bo- Bojan Bogdanovich. Oh, Bojan, whatever his name I, is. I always want to say Bogdan because that's our guy. Exactly. But Bogdanovich on the Pistons side. You know, when I looked at some replays, DeAndre Hunter was right there with him on yeah. a lot of those shots. Some of the some of the time, you you have good defense, but somebody has better offense. The end. 
So I think it's one of those things where if DeAndre Hunter can just time it a little bit better, Jarvis, maybe just get in his place. Or I saw a couple times where they went into zone defense and it seemed to work a bit better. Those are like the slight adjustments, I think, only to say that'll help us to not have to stress out into the full quarter. Yeah, and I think that when you think about the, the defensive start, right? You want them to yeah. I want to see them get off to a really good defensive start because Trey was on fire yeah. to start the game and, and DeAndre Hunter was on fire. And then I, I think that you know one of the things though that I, I would like to see is also not only the defensive start, but I want to be able, I want to see Nate give him more of a feel for subs because it seems like he just does like the whole hockey line change like the whole like take everybody out except yep. for Trey or DeJounte you know? and I'm yep. just like I, I don't know right. if I necessarily agree with that wholeheartedly mm-hmm. but I mean I know he's trying to get a feel for the rotation but but because I think that the guy that another guy that's going to probably probably be, end up being a scorer uh, in that second unit is probably Aaron Holiday I like his shot mm-hmm. when he has mm-hmm. when he gets lined up and, and, and has a nice look at that basket from behind the arc, he's going to hit that bad boy. So yeah. I, I I like what I see, I'm see. i seeing from him. Mm-hmm. So hopefully uh, Nate's uh, comfortability with cert- those certain guys, he mm-hmm. kind of gets a feel for it because I wouldn't yeah. have taken uh, Andre Hunter out early on because he was mm-hmm. just doing just doing too much work um, offensively. And when you got a guy like that who – needs that that confidence to start the games especially mm-hmm. offensively getting themselves yeah. uh situated i think you got to let him kind of ride that bad boy out a little bit so mm-hmm. it's gonna be something that we're gonna definitely keep an eye on as the hawks get ready to take on the pistons for the second time hopefully they can go and get this dub we you know and, and uh, another team though t let's talk let's talk about the georgia bulldogs because yeah. i think that when you're talking about getting the dub, I think the mm-hmm. expectation, right, is for them to get a win against the Florida yes. Gators. Like that's yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's what we're talking about, whether or not they're yeah. gonna win this game. I think that for Georgia, in order to evolve as the season goes along, mm-hmm. as they ramp up for the SEC championship, as they ramp up for Tennessee and Kentucky, and those the like in those likes of their, their schedule where it's gonna get a little bit difficult. Right. Uh, a little bit more difficult as they as the season goes along. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they have to get off to a good start, yeah. and they, they can't afford to Stetson Bennett coming out here, uh, overthrowing people, turn the ball right. over, or yeah. you know having the running backs in there that aren't getting yards, and they want to stick with them just because they've been around longer. I, I think that Kirby Smart and and Munkin need to get to a point where put the guys in there that have shown this mm-hmm. year. That they've been productive and i think when you start mixing in those guys and starting to trying to stay with a certain type of rotation as mm-hmm. the season goes along that's when you start to get yourself in a situation where guys aren't big are out on the field and they're not supposed to be yeah i, I would agree with you i think on two sides of the the table because this is a game where i think he wants to see some maturity meaning yeah. he said in his press conference that for them they're not looking at tennessee they're not looking at florida they're just looking at themselves he right. wants them yeah. to beat themselves he wants mm-hmm. them to and when i say that meaning beat the guy who did whatever he did last week so what and that to me is in all units but what i really want to see to your point is well if that's the case and we're kind of seeing this as a tune-up and getting some tweaks right let's see what we can get out of this running game i think rbu right. is back I right. just think that we need to see a little bit more of Dewan Edwards and Branson Robinson get them churning, you know, and and let, let's see that game 
let's see that run game really lead to a bit more of a pass attack and right. kind of wear that defense out for Florida. And then the second thing is, as you wait for guys to come back on defense and you don't know if you're going to have Jalen Carter or not next week. Yeah. So you need to see this week what a Jalen Carterless defense looks like so that you can prepare appropriately and accordingly. So I look at it as just a tune-up where they this is where that you tweak it all so that when they come between the hedges next week, the balls, you're ready for them. Yeah, and that's the thing that you want to be able to do is because they haven't rushed the passer as as well as they did. They got off to a super slow start yeah. in, in that department. So mm-hmm. if you can get Florida off the ground because and force Anthony Richardson's Richardson to yep. throw the football, right. that's going to be a really good situation. And like mm-hmm. you said, it's going to be a nice tune-up to what they have coming up next week. Speaking of uh, a, a tune-up, I think that it was good. I was very happy to, to, mm-hmm. to, to see a postseason award make sense because, you know, the, the Atlanta Braves have five Silver Slugger finalists, Matt Olson, Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, Michael Harris, mm-hmm. and Travis Darno. Yes. Austin Riley won it last year. So mm-hmm. I, I, I was I was loving when I was seeing Michael Harris's name in there because we already know how we how we felt about him not being a finalist for the gold glove. It was it was good to see his name on that list. It sure was. And it's one of those things where we know from an awards perspective, it's going to be back and forth. Right. Sporting News chose Spencer Strider, and that was uh, understandable. He right. had 47% of the vote for Rookie of the Year. Michael Harris II had 41% of the vote. And I expect that when we get some more accolades going, it'll be MH21 Award, Strider the other. But those things speak to, like you said, why he should have been a Gold Club finalist. So to see him get those accolades in particular, right. <laughs> he was probably the guy I was looking at most like, mm, well, look who made the list this time. Because truly the the... You can't take anything away from Olsen. You can't take any, anything away from Dansby. Like you said, Austin won it last year and was still great this year. And you can't take anything away from Travis. But for me, the attention was on Michael Harris II getting his, at least his nod as a finalist. No doubt about it. And if you want to get a nod on about how to win some money, you need to go to betonline.net. We were just talking about Kentucky and Tennessee, and I was looking at, went to betonline.net and found out the fact that, hey, Tennessee is favored by a whole touchdown, and the over-under is 32. Ooh, I don't know what to do with that one because, <laughs> because Tennessee is a high-scoring offense, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to betonline.net because it is the fastest and easiest way to check in on mm-hmm. all your better needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. They have each and they have everything from live in-game betting, scores, mm-hmm. And they also have podcasts. You guys come to us every day, Monday through Friday, on right here on ATL Day Ones to get all your Atlanta sports needs and get mm-hmm. that fixed because you know we know you need it. Why don't you go and get your betting fix, your your gambling fix at BetOnline.net because they got all the information that you absolutely need. Now, one more thing, I was looking at this over under for Georgia Tech. You know, Florida State is favored by 24. So um, they, they might go ahead and cover it. Let me stop playing. They're going to cover that. So, yeah, you might not need to go to betonline.net for that. But if you are questioning my acumen about this, go to betonline.net because, or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today because BetOnline is where the game starts. Yes. And we found out last night just how much 
acumen Lamar Jackson and company had because it was interesting. The Ravens had a plan. They had a plan yeah. and they absolutely worked it to perfection. The first half, it was all about getting him in a rhythm throwing. The second half, let's just go back to what we do. We run it and down your throats. And, and we dare you to it stop. It masterful. It really, really. I mean, Greg Roman was like, you know what? Fuck all this other junk. Right. We're going to try to throw people off. We're going to do yeah. what we do. Exactly. And dare you to stop us. And they could not be stopped. And of course, they get the 27-22 win over the Bucks, And all eyes in Atlanta were on that game because, hey, you want to see if Tom Brady and if Tom Brady is going to actually be three and five for the first time in his career. Check the box. If mm -hmm. the Falcons, you're going to wake up Friday morning and they were going to be in sole possession of first place in the NFC South, check the box. And now 48 hours away from possibly also going a game ahead of the Bucks, should they come out victorious against the Panthers. Now, Jarvis, I'm going to tell you, I still feel like the Panthers win against the Bucks was an anomaly. I don't expect to see the same this week. I, I think the Falcons are ready. But mm -hmm. admittedly, they have some things that they have to look into on both sides of the ball and kind of deal with. So we talked about Marcus Mariota. And going back to Tom Brady, by the way, just to make that example, Jarvis, Tom Brady was releasing the ball. There was one time where he released the ball at 1.2 seconds. Like yeah, he was getting, yeah. he was getting the release was, yeah, exactly. The release was crazy, right? And that made me think about Marcus Mariota because I thought to myself, the only way he's going to chin check or, you know, kind of keep Shaq Thompson in check or one of the ways is and company release the ball. Like you've no, got to release the ball, um, whether that's first, second, third read check down or throwing it away or Jarvis pulling it down and just running with it. But he's got to make some quicker decisions in order for him to be the Marcus Mariota we saw from NFC player of the week versus the Marcus Mariota we saw of, wow. Okay, this is the guy under center. This is QB1. Okay, so how do we see that guy? How do we see the player of the week return Sunday? Not only does he need to make quicker decisions, T, I think that he needs to make quick, sound decisions because yeah. just going through, going back through the tape from last week against the Bengals, there were some things that kind of popped up and I'm just like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah right. you could have done meant. that a little That's bit better. Like yeah. those are some of the, because there was, as a matter of fact, uh, the touchdown, the none touchdown to Cal mm -hmm. Pitts on mm -hmm. the goal line, it was it was almost as if Cal Pitts expected him to throw the ball behind him because mm -hmm. if you look at the angle with it, the way the DB took, he mm -hmm. came around or this type of situation that came down. So essentially, um, Marcus Mariota, the way he threw the football to Cal, mm -hmm. he li literally led Cal back into the, the to the DB. Right now. Now, granted, Kyle Pitts has had some fault there as well because he turned around that way. So mm -hmm. he was expecting to go ahead and get the ball right then and there. But there could have been a situation where, hey, if he would have kept running this route and, and, and um, uh, Marcus Mariota threw the football to him where he was supposed to and in mm -hmm. front of him, and it could have been a, a race to the, to the corner of the end zone. So I think that there are just uh, little things, little tweaks here and there that, that can be made and they can – I think this offense, this passing offense can make some plays. It just mm -hmm. Marcus Mariota has it, and it starts with him. It starts yeah. with him. Now, you know, I can't, I'm yes, I gave some fault to Kyle Pitts, but it starts mm -hmm. with Marcus Mariota mm -hmm. and making sure that he's not only making the read in a, in a timely manner, but being sound with it. 
Like, hey, I know that I can put this guy in a good situation to catch the mm-hmm. football if I throw mm-hmm. it out in front of him. Yeah. And so he can go run up underneath it. Or if I see the defender right there on right on his inside hip, I'm going to throw mm-hmm. it on his outside. So it's just little, it's just little things, little things, little tweaks I think that Marcus Mariota can make in order for the, to the Falcons, they can put themselves in a good position to get a win against this team. I think so, too. And I think another key component there will be the who wins the battle in the trenches. And one of the good things is this offensive line has been able to be together for seven weeks. That's not something we've seen in the last several years. And honestly, we've only really seen one game where we felt like Elijah Wilkinson had an outright bad game. Right. But he and that line are going to have some work to do on who battles and who wins in the trenches. Because when you're talking about dealing with the likes of Derrick Brown, oh, okay, well, so when you think about that, mm-hmm. how the Falcons are going to be able to really kind of dictate the flow of the game, what's the plan? What What do you think Dean Pease has up his sleeve? Uh, or sorry, sorry about that. Dave Ragone, excuse me. We'll talk Dean Pease in a minute. But what do you yeah. think Dave Ragone has up his sleeve and Arthur Smith in order to be able to neutralize that Panthers uh, line up front? I think you have to get those guys moving east-west instead of north-south, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't want your de- the defensive lineman playing around in the backfield. We know Derrick Brown is very capable of, capable of doing that. Yes. And I think that if the Falcons are able to establish some type of run game, the guy or the name that you're going to hear is it's going to have to be Drew Dahlman. Drew Dahlman yeah. going to have to be able to sustain his blocks longer because – yeah. Like I said, just looking at some going back and looking at it, T, like mm-hmm. there were some plays where if he just gets his butt in between the, the, the running back mm-hmm. and, and, and the defender, mm-hmm. it's it's a tough six points. It's a 20 yeah. yard game. It was just and it's just, just like I said, little tweaks. Mm-hmm. And like that could be the difference in between a minus two and a plus 25. And True. because we already know how the NFL is, this is mm-hmm. a fast game, and these guys are superior athletes, so they're out there making reads as fast as we can think about what they're actually doing out there on the field. So, I think that you know, Drew Dahlma is a guy like I'm charging him this week because he's yeah. the guy that is going to be the big, the big, you know, uh, the catalyst for this run game to, to mm-hmm. kind of get back on track because he, he's not, he's he's. He is what he is. Let me say that. I, I'm not going to call him a bum because that's not fair. Uh, but I'm what I am going to call him is a guy that I know that you can do it because they have had success running the football this year. So, yeah. and yeah. he's a part of that. He's a part mm-hmm. of their whole group. So it's not just one guy. We know that everybody has to contribute in their mm-hmm. own way. Now, some more than others. You yeah. know, Chris Lindstrom, he's amazing. Right. He's still amazing. T. He's still yeah. he's still really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think that him. so he could take on Derrick Brown with Drew Dahlman, but okay, <laughs> right? But but you know, Carolina, watch the tape. Like, yeah, we're gonna line you up over here, son. This week, like you're gonna be on this side over here. So Elijah and Drew, they're gonna have to step the game up because mm-hmm. those they're gonna go up against that dude. And I think that you know, in order for this Falcons run game to get where it needs to be, mm-hmm. they're gonna have to have probably one of the better games they've had uh, this entire season. Yeah, and that's a great point because the one time that I saw Leonard Fournette be able to break it north-south was mm-hmm. when the center and the left guard gave him just enough time and just enough of a window to yep. get to the second level, and then he was on his way. And another time I saw a couple of plays where 
the few plays where Tom Brady was able to get something off against the Panthers, it was the same thing. Just give him one or two extra seconds for them to neutralize Derrick Brown. And then, you know, Tom Brady releases the ball and the Bucs are at least able to advance it somewhat, right? So yeah, if they can just bring some help there. And one more thing before we wrap up, uh, just got the word, of course, that it's official. AJ Trail is out uh, yep. for this Sunday with that hamstring injury. So that's disappointing when you think about not having him and not having Casey Hayward. But on the same token, no offense, PJ Walker, but at the end of the day, this is the kind of offense you want to go up against when right. you are depleted yep. in the secondary. Because, <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. one from last week. This, is. this is different. Exactly. And, uh, with all due respect, this different. This hit a little different. Right. It really, really is. <laughs> and you think about the fact that, yes, the Bengals probably took their foot off the gas last week and only scored the seven points in the second half, but the Falcons still had to take the field and still had to play the game and keep them out of the end zone. So right. you got to give them credit for that. But yeah, secondary with everything, all things considered, should still be okay this this week. Yeah, I think they'd be fine because when you think about a guy like Dean Marlowe stepping in for Jalen Hawkins, yes. you got D. Offer coming back. Yeah, he's that was like, a he's, good in, one. he's locked on to be a go. That's going to be solid. Yeah. I can name the guys that are going to be those first three DBs. They're going to be out there. You're talking about Isaiah Oliver and Darren yeah. Hall and D. Offer. So. Yep, However, they they mix and match it. They, I'm sure Dean Pease is going to switch it up because I saw some stuff on tape. I was like, man, this dude got Darren Hall over here, got him back down yep. here. So Dean Pease is going to switch it up. He's going to try to confuse mm-hmm. uh, uh, PJ Walker because there was a there was one particular time when uh, Leonard Carter, Leonard Carter, what's called him? I want to keep calling him Leonard Floyd, Lorenzo Carter. <laughs> when he got that sack last week, he you know there was a, it was a double A uh, double A gap show blitz. And the linebackers walked up in the hole like they were going to blitz. And then as soon as the ball snapped, they got up out of there. Mm-hmm. And I saw Grady Jarrett kind of come over to the tackle. He kind of flared out a little bit to the tackle. And the tackle took on his block. And he kind of just kind of held him right there. And all you just mm-hmm. saw Lorenzo Carter, shoom, like, a, like, a, uh, like a flying bullet, came mm-hmm. in and got and sacked Joe Burrow. So I think you're going to see a lot of things like that, a lot of yeah. stunts, uh, line stunts. Uh, a lot of show blitzes, uh, a lot of blitzes, show blitz, yes. blitz, blitz. Like, I think Dean Pease is going to switch it up this week because I think the main thing for him is kind of throw, get P.J. Walker yes. off of his spot and make sure that you get him to thinking at the line of scrimmage about what's about to go down. And I think once you do that, that's mm-hmm. going to help mask some of the deficiencies that you may have in the secondary with guys filling in. Indeed, indeed. And you're right. When you look at the D-line and you look at the linebackers, as long as they get their assignment and they understand the assignment, you get to P.J. Walker. You don't have to worry about the secondary doing a job because the ball will never get to those receivers anyway if you get to the quarterback in a timely manner. And like you said, the stats may not always show that the Falcons have been getting home, but in terms of QB pressures and actual hits, they've, they've been right there. They've been right there. The only thing, like you said, that Dean Pease focused on, and he talked about this yesterday, was wants better tackling. And, yes, they better be ready for all disguises and be ready to play any position because that's what he's been leading them to from the start of training camp on to now to be prepared to be anywhere. Now, speaking of being prepared, there are probably five games and ten teams that need to be prepared for a pivotal showdown sunday and if you want to know more about that then after you turn tune into locked on sports atlanta particularly atl day ones then you should go to key predictions because every friday today 
on Locked On NFL. They'll give you those key predictions. So we talked about Vikings Cardinals. That's a big game. St. Raiders, Rams 49ers, Bills Packers, and of course, Browns Bengals, because you have so many tight races across the NFL this season. So, hey, if you want to know more about where to bet, what to look for on a Sunday night and even the Monday night game, again, check out Locked on NFL. You can get it everywhere you get your podcast, right? Odyssey app. You can go to YouTube or you can just download it. And again, it helps you because they're going to get betting advice from field experts from our guys over at betonline.net. So check them out today so you'll know what to do about those games on Sunday. Yes, indeed. Make sure you go do that. Check them out. Now, T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever hell we want to talk about. But that's just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. Um, I got Dusty Baker, who I'm rooting for, by the way. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say that out loud. Um, I got a chance to talk to him. Yeah, I mean, I got a, I got a root for Dusty. Like, why can I not root for Dusty? Because you're going against the Philadelphia Phillies. I could not stand the Philadelphia Phillies. I just, I just don't like them. I just don't, I don't, I can't. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't don't like them. Um, and I think that, you know, they got a chance to talk to him about because, something very significant is going to happen tonight T when they get when first pitch comes because this is going to be the first time since 1950 that there are not there are no no U.S. born black players on either squad on the Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies so um and they kind of asked him about that and one of the things that that he kind of talked about and I started to feel him on he was Mm -hmm. like there were so many black players yes. coming up that he watched when he was a kid and he started mm-hmm. doing some of the greats like Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. I was like, Oh my God. Duh. Right. <laughs> like, right. And, and then I started thinking about when I was, when I was a kid and I fell mm-hmm. in love with the game of baseball, I saw Fred McGriff. I saw David justice. I saw Terry Pendleton. And I saw Ryan Gant. It was mm-hmm. just Deion Sanders. Or yeah. Nixon. Like it's just so many US born yeah. black players on the squad. And he's saying that it, it but today, and referencing, you know, that particular series as it gets started tonight, he said he said he doesn't want to lose African American um kids coming up today because yeah. a lot we we've talked about it on this show black kids who are watching the game and if you want to sell the game to black kids they got to see people that look like them out on the field too. Yes, and that is why it is so critical to have a Michael Harris the second. Yes, you just called it. He needs to be. And don't get me wrong. Yes, we are biased because he is local, right? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. He needs to be one of the faces that MLB presents. He really, really does. So if we if we see that face, you can tell little African-American boys like, whoa, wait a minute. That's a that's a you know sport that I can play or that's something that I should take on because let's face it, NFL, that's exciting. Playing football, you know, that's smash. Yeah. That's exciting. Right. Exactly. And NBA, that's yeah. swag. That's swag. Like, you know, yeah. that's the culture. Your, yeah, no, your face is not covered. Your face yeah. isn't covered. Everybody sees you when you're on the court. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's exactly. a lot of a lot of right. stuff that goes with playing a basketball. Of, a lot of extraness. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing where, yeah, I'm just going to call it extraness. <laughs> yeah, but MLB is just so, like, staid. And sometimes, you know, they get into, like, the whole, and I know he's not African-American, but the whole controversy 
a few years ago about Ronald Acuna Jr. and his hat to the back and the chains and all this other, oh. other stuff and always focusing on numbers. You're talking about Joe Simpson? Oh, oh right. And unfortunately, he was, but let's keep it real. He yeah. was just speaking for what a lot of the traditionalists were really wanted to say and, and just were too cowardly, cowardly to say it. Course, so yeah. I think if you take a guy like Michael Harris, still clean cut, but still with a whole lot of ATL swag, that's yeah. the kind of guy that can put you your that can really put you back on the map. Because remember, MLB used to go around just like the NBA, just like the NFL, go into communities and really start to clean up like the baseball fields and the and the right. parks. And that's the kind of thing you're gonna need to do to get back in the communities and let them know that this sport is not just for you know, white males from America or um, black people. Everybody. Yeah. Like you, mm-hmm. like it should be a game, but if they want it, Jarvis, then they're going to have to go after guys like MH2 and he needs to be the face of MLB starting now. And vote for him to be NL Rookie of the Year. Right. And then he can be the face. Right. Yeah. yeah, It's an easy sell. Sorry. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I, I think that Dusty made some good points and I, and I applaud him tremendously for anytime he gets a chance to speak on it he's going to speak on it and i appreciate him greatly for that because like i said i grew up watching baseball baseball was my first sport it was my first love so um i'm with him like let's keep promoting this bad boy because i want to see the young brothers get out there and get on the baseball field too yeah all the talent in the world and jarvis the other thing there is this before we wrap up because i know we got to get out of here but that's what you love about the braves because one thing about the Braves is they have a lot of diversity initiatives, right? So yeah. even my university has been Xavier University of Louisiana has come in. Rest his soul, Mr. Uh, Hank Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's the reason why that's one of them. There it is. There it is. Hank, I yeah. just said, yep, boom, mm-hmm. you just said yep. it. He really drove that and then the organization received it, right? Yes. And then yeah. the community received it. And they still, to this day, like you said, God rest his soul, but once again, for his his legendary uh, philanthropic efforts, his, his legendary community work is just still thriving because my university and several others have been here for those HBCU classics. And I cannot tell you how much that has meant to our program. We have been able to develop our players much better. We've been in the championship hunt the last couple of years. So MLB, if you want a template and a blueprint, Michael Harris II and what Hank Aaron was able to do, we got a blueprint for you right here in Atlanta. So listen, guys, we got to get out of here. But when we come back next week, hopefully we are talking about the Hawks showing the blueprint of how they could finally get over the hump with those pesky pistons. (laughs) And of course, they're going to continue their road trip. So we'll talk about that. We are going to hopefully, you know what, Jarvis, we're going to claim it. We're going to talk about a dub. We're going to talk about the Falcons being a game ahead of the Bucks when we get back. Let's play some NC South. Yeah, we're just going to call it. Jarvis has got you guys covered on Sunday. So make sure you check him out with keys to the game and then post game with our guy, Aaron Freeman. And then he and I are going to download on Falcons Monday. And hey, listen, if there's any more no- news about confirmation on Joseph Martinez parting ways, we're going to give some reaction to that. And anything else is going on in the city, you know we got you. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week. And we, just before we go, I got to say thank you guys for making ATL Day 1 your f- first listen of the day. Make your next listen. Locked on Sports Today, they got all the big dogs on, on Locked on Sports Today. They got everything you absolutely need, including – your take of the day and last but not least you make sure you can find them on where you listen to 
or however you listen to us, you can find them on there as well and along with the Odyssey app. Now, T, we got to do it as I always do. Y'all make sure y'all come back now, you hear? Oh, 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 oh,